0: He did that. He gave me a a whole bunch of different trips. My last trip was my only backpacking trip and it was in August, was the end of the season, it was the last week of camp and it was hot and it had been dry all summer Um, on the north shore. It was on the, uh, the camp was actually in the south shore of Lake Superior in Wisconsin, but we did trips all over the, that area, and this was a Lake Superior hiking trail trip. And so I took a group of teens and one youth leader on this with one, another counselor, two, two, two of us guides, and then a couple of high school kids and their leader on this hiking trip. And I will tell you that about day three, I was sure that any animal in the area would smell us coming particularly me. (laughs) Uh, There were no showers when you go backpacking for five days. And with very little water, where there normally would have been sort of some streams with some pools, there wasn't a lot. Like, even finding enough water for us to drink that we could purify to drink was like a challenge. We had to plan, like, okay, we're going to have to make sure to try to stop here to refill. So the one thing about backpacking, which is unique of other trips that we went on, on other trips, you always have to condense what you pack, like, I kind of, one of my sadistically favorite parts of camp was like, as we're having the teens pack their bag, telling them all the stuff they can't bring that they thought they could bring, like this big bottle of shampoo and all this other. Usually it was like hair products and things for girls that I really enjoyed saying, no, you can't take that. You're actually not going to be all that clean for the week (laughs) compared to your normal life. Kind of, I guess. But backpacking is like, Next level that. So literally every extra pair of socks or t-shirt that you bring, like day three, you're regretting because it's on your back for five to eight hours a day. Every ounce, it's not pound, every ounce you feel throughout the week. And so it's tiring. Um, I didn't know how tiring it was before I did this because I'd never done a backpacking trip for this long. I would say this was one of the times when I was the, in the most need of physical refreshment in my recollection, it was the end, the last day. So because we sort of didn't want to carry more than we needed to, and by the end of the trip we were as tired as we had all been, we sort of like rationed out like, how much water do I actually need in my Nalgene bottle till I can get to the end where we're going to get picked up? Will there be water to bring that I don't have to carry? So we're literally like thinking that way by the end. So I had run out of water about two or three hours before we were gonna to get to our place, which isn't a big deal, but when you've been conserving, you're pretty thirsty. So I was really thirsty. I think it was I think we started at the Temperance River State Park, which is way up close to Lutzen, and then if you're familiar with the North Shore and we ended at Tetegooch State Park. But what I do remember is coming down the trail and following the river, whichever one it was, and wishing I could be in it the whole time. Although it's very a lot of waterfalls and kind of rocky area. But here's what my experience was. Is as we're coming down, I can sort of see like there's Lake Superior, which you can almost always see on that trail, but it's getting closer and closer. Lake Superior is like, I call it the, the North Shore's natural air conditioner. The lake like literally barely gets above 60 degrees ever because it's just this humongous, deep lake, and the wind off the lake is always cool. We couldn't quite feel that cool breeze being up in the mountains. But I could imagine it. And as we got closer, I remember this experience. In my mind, it looks kind of like a movie, but we get to the, kind of cross the highway to go across to the parking lot, and then across the parking lot at the state park is kind of a rocky beach, and then there's the water. And I remember just kind of not remembering exactly that I'm a guide, but I'm like, well, somebody has to go first. They'll f- I hope they're following. I've just got like tunnel vision at this point. Like I am physically hot i am super thirsty and basically i crossed get to the beach and when i hit the beach i just start throwing my stuff off as i go along and then there's a trail behind me like my hat my backpack my water bottle all this stuff just kind of a trail to the water's edge and then i just kept going straight in the water i did not stop to look behind me is everyone coming i was just like i'm going in there and then i'll look i was hot and it felt really good 60 degrees felt really good, that water. Usually it would be shocking. I was just happy to be in there. Probably was overheated. My sermon in a sentence this morning is this. God desires me to be united with Jesus so he can flourish my life in every way. I'm using the first person so that you can own this as well. It's true for me, and it's true for you. God desires me to be united with Jesus so that he can flourish my life in every way. In this instance, I needed some physical refreshment, some physical, physical uh, restoration. I was hot. I was thirsty. And I believe that Jesus intends for us, when you're when you, when you put your trust in Christ, he actually intends it for everybody, whether they have put their trust in Christ or not. He wants to actually, through being united with Jesus, bring refreshment and flourishing to every area of your life. It's not just one area, but like all of life. And the passage we're going to look at this morning is going to help us to see that. I mean, he does actually care about our physical and he wants us to flourish physically he wants us to flourish spiritually. He wants us to flourish relationally. Um, I appreciate, Erin that you mentioned things about your work and your spiritual life, that there's all areas of our life, God actually wants us to experience his flourishing in our lives. And I don't know if you feel like a part of your life <clears throat> is sort of like maybe an image of how I felt physically that day. Maybe if you think about your work, you're like, man, I... I need refreshment when it comes to work. Or maybe it's your marriage. Or maybe it's your physical health. Or maybe it's your emotional or mental state. That you just feel like, I am so tired. I, I am so empty. I just need something. Well, I think God actually wants whatever area that might be of your life, He wants to give you something. And I hope that you'll get it this morning in this message. We're going to look at 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and just the first phrase of verse 5. Second Peter 1 says this, May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort. And we're going to stop there. The next passage would be a whole other sermon, so I'll have to stop there. But I'm going to give you three ways that being united with Jesus can bring us refreshment. In verse 2, We read this. I'll slow down, reread these verses, and make some comments. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, I love that phrase, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So first of all, being united with Jesus multiplies God's grace and peace and flourishing into your life. And I'm adding that in there because I'm going to talk about those two words, grace and peace, more the peace word than the grace word. Grace I've actually shared a lot about in the past. That is a a word for the word for grace is the word charis or charis. I actually had a friend named Karis used to attend this church. So not surprisingly her dad was a pastor, which is probably why she got that word got that name. It's a beautiful name actually. It's a beautiful word. It really is a picture of God's love being unleashed actually in your life. And it's, it requires a lot of study. I'm not going to camp out on that one. I have a little bit in the past, but I'm going to camp out on the word peace. These two words go together. They kind of interlock in their meanings, and the, the writers of the scriptures, when they wrote the word peace, the word that they were thinking of, the, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, which is the common language of the day, kind of like English is right now in our modern world. It's the, it's the language of the world. In, in the business world, right? I mean, we have other languages, but English is really how the, the world kind of is connected through that language, much of the world is. And in, in this day, that language was Greek, and so that's what the writers wrote in. But they also had their heart language, which was what they probably spoke at home, Hebrew. They were Jewish. And the word that they had in mind when they wrote the word peace down, which is English, was Shalom. Shalom is not just the absence of conflict. So the Greek equivalent of that word is Irene, which is the word, the name Irene, probably has its roots there. That word is connected to the idea of shalom, and shalom is another big idea that you could probably preach a sermon series probably a year on and not explore the depths of the meaning of that word. But I want to give you a quote that gives you a little picture, kind of a, a condensation of what shalom was really about. It wasn't about more conflict, no more fighting, just that. It was that. But I'm going to read this quote to you. Uh, Hugh Welchel is the founder of the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics. It's a great resource um, if you want to figure out how to integrate your faith with your work. He says this, deep in the heart of every person, there is a sense of the way things are supposed to be, and that is shalom. Shalom is... In essence, humans flourishing in a creation that's flourishing because it's all happening the way God designed it to be. Kind of like Genesis chapter 1 before the fall. Eden. Shalom sort of harkens back to that human flourishing, right relationship with God, right relationship with people, right relationship with creation, functioning how things are supposed to be. So let's back up here. May grace and peace, all of that, be multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus, God and and Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. You know, Isaiah 9, 6, Prince of Peace, we sing it in a few Christmas carols. That word is Shalom. He's the Prince of that. He's he's the one who can, being united with Him, multiply His flourishing. You You could also say, That shalom, the way things are supposed to be, you could put an equal sign and say shalom is the way things are supposed to be, equals humans flourishing in every way, all, every area of life. That's, That's the experience of shalom in a human's life. Jesus wants to multiply his grace, peace, and flourishing to you when you are united with him. Now, I'm using the word united because that word said, the word in that phrase is the knowledge of God or Jesus. We're going to touch on how that knowledge is different from just knowing about here in the next verse. Verse 3 says this His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. There's that word knowledge again. Secondly, being united with Jesus gives me access to God's flourishing power in every area of my life. That's his divine power in that phrase. It says his divine power has been given to us for everything in life. Everything in life. Everything in your life. Everything in your life, God has given you divine power. That's shalom power. That's resurrection power. That's grace power. That's redemption power. That's flourishing power. Okay. Kids. Actually, adults and kids. Who, do you have a favorite superhero? Who's your favorite superhero? Who wants, to, who wants to shout out a favorite superhero? And you have one. You have one right there. Who's your favorite... Louder. Go ahead. Jesus. Jesus. She knows where she's at. That's awesome. You got another one, Mick, from like a movie? Black Panther. That one's popular at our house as well. Anyone else got another one over here? Yeah. Superman. Superman. Evan? Iron Man? Man. Brinley? Spider-Man? Bruce? What's yours? Okay. Okay. What's yours? Spider-Man. Okay. One more. Yep. The Flash. Okay. There we go. Super superpowers. Super uh, heroes have superpowers, and Jesus is the one that has the most superpowers. Thank you very much for that answer. And Jesus actually says, "I'll share mine with you through knowing me." So, one of my favorite superhero group of superheroes is these guys. Because I have a family. So I love the idea, superheroes usually don't have families. They're just like, you know, individual awesome people that sometimes have like sort of a love interest but not really family. The Incredibles are a family. That's Mr. Incredible, also known as Bob Parr, Elastigirl, Helen, there's Violet and Dash and Jack-Jack. Now. Mr. Incredible has superhuman strength. Elastigirl is super flexible and stretchy. Violet, think of shrinking Violet, is fairly shy. And she has invisibility powers. And she's also able to generate force fields and manipulate them. Dash is really fast. He's super eager for the next adventure. And Jack-Jack has just about every superpower imagined he can levitate he can disappear he can walk through walls he can turn into a human fireball or become unbelievably super heavy he can do it all jack jack the baby is really fun pardon and he has laser eyes don't forget the laser eyes that's really important he's got them all so you've seen it in a movie we've all seen that movie most of us have if you haven't you really should So what what Jesus is saying to us, what Peter is saying to us about Jesus, is that we have been given his divine power in every area of life. Every area of life. And we get it through the knowledge of Jesus. Now, I want to say something about that knowledge, picture that we get in scripture about knowing God or knowing Jesus or being in relationship with Jesus, what that knowledge is all about, one version of knowledge, which I think is sort of our default, is the kind of knowledge that we get through reading a newspaper or an article. We get to learn some information about that. And I'll just be honest, when I graduated high school, although I was a believer in Christ, most of my knowledge of Jesus fit in that category. But the picture, the uncomfortable sort of embarrassing picture of the knowledge of Jesus that the scriptures gives us, it's the kind of knowledge that comes through union between a man and a woman in marriage. Physical union, relational union, spiritual reunion, relation, relational union, emotional union. And and I am talking about like a man and woman coming together and making love to each other. That is kind of the union that Jesus is talking about. Now that makes me really uncomfortable to say actually to even think about but the reason why that picture is there I believe is because that kind of knowledge is intellectual it's also physical it's also emotional it's also relational it's also experiential and Jesus is saying I want that with you in fact a man and a woman in their relationship we got a runaway here this morning no laser eyes, though, that's good. <laughs> that could be a problem. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, I want all of that with you. And so don't think of knowledge like reading a book. Think of it as a lot deeper, on a lot different levels. Maybe in a way that you're uncomfortable thinking about. The marriage union is that's the repeated picture that we have. And knowledge with Jesus comes through union with him in every area, which is life and godliness. I'm going to put a picture up there. This is a tool. I'll refer to it here in a minute. Um, Of the personal vitality plan, it was connected to a series we did a few years ago. It has a bunch of areas of life. It was kind of my list for, for Aaron up there. This is my, here's my, I actually have one more that I forgot this morning. This, I've been doing this every about three or four months. And what I do in this tool is I look over these areas of life and I have a couple extras that I have. This isn't magic, by the way, it's just a tool. And I seek God for what is flourishing and what needs replenishing. Because he actually cares about all those areas, guys. He doesn't just care about my quiet times and my prayer times and my church attendance. He cares about that. But he also cares about My physical body he cares about my marriage he cares about my friendship he cares about my work finances my mental health my emotional health all of it and what he's saying is that he's given you his superpower and every for every area on this list every area he's not just offering his his power to just let's just say God has a superpower and he's saying, I'll offer it to your spiritual area of your life. No, he's saying every area of life can be empowered by God when I'm united with Jesus. (laughs) Let's look at verse 4. We're going to come back to the Incredibles in a minute, by the way. By these, he has given given us great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire, for this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort. Now I'm stopping there because Peter gets practical about making every effort in certain ways. But here, third reality is that being united with Jesus for this reason motivates me to work a plan to flourish in my life. I don't just wait to get zapped with superpower. Like most superheroes do, right? They either were born that way or something strange happened to them and all of a sudden they have this thing that they didn't have before. That's usually their story, their origin stories, right? In The Incredibles, Dash, I think I have him up there. Dash is a frustrated kid for most of the movie. Because he has this awesome power. He can run faster than anyone on the planet. But if, if you, you may not know the story, but this, the this superhero family is in hiding because there's been lawsuits against superheroes, and so they have to hide their powers. They have to pretend like they're not superheroes and become normal, average people. And so Bob is an insurance guy in a little cubicle. That's his job. I'm sorry if you're an insurance person, but that's the movie. I'm not saying anything about that. It's not like the opposite. We need superhero insurance people. But Dash is frustrated. He's like, I want to, and he wants to use his power. And God is saying, you don't, you have my power. (laughs) Use it whenever you want in every area of your life. Friends, you are Dash. Or Violet, or Mr. Incredible, or Elastigirl, whichever one you identify with, or Spider-Man or whatever. He, through union with Christ he's saying all of my power is given to you. You can use it in every area of your life. And so that's why I review this. I began reviewing this. This is why I think it's so valuable you don't have to use this tool but to look over your life and say where am I missing the power of God and how can I get more of it in an area of my life. Now you can't get the power by self-effort, but you can access the power by recognizing where you're not allowing him to come into that part of your life. Usually that's why. How can I create an environment where Jesus is at home in every area of my life? These areas, and if he is, if I'm united to him in those areas, I will experience his divine power for that area to be more like the way things are supposed to be. Now, of course we know that that's not going to be fully that way until we are in the new heaven and new earth. But Jesus is saying, I came to give you life in every area. Every area. It's not a to-do list, but a conversation with God that leads to application through the power of his spirit, by his truth, with his guidance. So maybe your application will be to pick one of these up and pray through and ask God where Do you want me to tap into your divine power in my life? How can I experience more shalom, more irene, more of your flourishing power in an area of my life? Now, by the way, so that you don't get overwhelmed, my recommendation is just pick one area to say, God, I want to focus on inviting you into this area of my life. I've done that each of the last five five times I've done this uh, every three or four months. What area would you like me to... Spend some time focusing on. I want to read one more verse and then we're gonna share communion together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. This is encouraging. It's on that, it's the it's the on the last page of the Vitality Plan. It says this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. So that's like make you like God in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body. I love that it's spirit soul, and body, be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And verse 24 says, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. God will make this happen because he's the one that has the power. If you want some hope and you're feeling like, I don't know if I can make this happen, great. God will make this happen as you are united with him. When I came down that hiking trail, what I really needed was I needed something to cool me off physically, and I needed a drink of water. When you think about your life, is there an area where you think, I know what I need in my spiritual life, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my work, in my finances? Ask him, and he'll be happy to give you divine power to flourish in that area. Here's a sermon in a sentence. God desires me to be united with Jesus so he can flourish my life in every way. He wants you to be united with him so that he can flourish you in every way, in every area of your life, that he can bring life into it and cause you to flourish. Now, we're going to share communion this morning, and this is really the remembrance of how we get united with Jesus. It's through his blessing, body being broken and his blood being shed so that the broken relationship between us and God can be mended, can be atoned for, is the Bible word, what keeps us from him, can be atoned for, can be taken care of, so that now we can come into right relationship with him. And so you don't have to be a member of Cottonwood to share communion here. This is just a remembrance for those who have put their faith in Christ, who have entered into a relationship with Christ, and want to remember what he did on their behalf. And so this is what we'll do this morning as we share communion, and then I'll come back up and pray and we'll sing a final closing song. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thanks that you want to share from your divine resources with us. Thanks that you're generous. You're not stingy. You really do say to us, all that I have, all that is mine is open to you. You really do want to multiply your grace and peace to us. You really do want us to tap into your flourishing power. You really do want all of that to motivate us to put effort into staying united with you so we have access to all of that. Thanks that you open the door for us through the cross, through taking care of, the barrier that kept us from you. We remember you this morning as we share in communion, as we eat this bread that represents your body that was broken, as we drink this juice which represents your blood that was shed, that we have access to you. And I pray this morning that we would allow you to flow through us, your power to flow through us, that we might flourish, experience your power in our lives. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You guys can start up front here and then